It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 243 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, December 12th, December 11th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. The show's on Twitter as well at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single every single episode. You'll find links to everything I write for LockedOnRaptors.com. Uh, lots of stuff has been up over the course of this month, mostly in one big post that I've been working on. But if you want to check out the Raptors advent calendar, you should please do that because uh, there's lots of fun stuff in there. Uh, Locked On Raptors, of course, is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, which hosts team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams, as well as Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd and Locked On NBA with David Locke. You can find those all together on the Locked On NBA iTunes channel. Make sure you're checking out the FanRag Network of blogs. that uh, is a t- Every podcast has their own blog on FanRagSports.com. That's Locked On Raptors. That's Locked On Pelicans, Locked On Lakers. All the different sites are up there with a FanRag blog for you to check out with lots of great written content. Uh, and please go to the iTunes page, leave a rating, leave a review for us on Locked On Raptors. Takes no time at all. It's very easy, uh, and I very much appreciate anyone who takes the time. All right, uh, let's get into today's show. On today's show, we're joined by Vivek Jacob, who is currently driving through winter weather in Canada, which is the worst thing in the world. Uh, and uh, he's a little bit late as to getting home. We were going to do this at six o'clock. It is six o'clock, uh, but he's still in the car. But he's uh, brave enough to weather to go weather the weather. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. It's Monday, and I'm very <laughs> tired. Uh, I did radio at five a.m. this morning, so I'm exhausted. But. Um, yeah, Vivek's here to talk about the weekend, essentially. Vivek, how are you, man? I'm doing good, bud. Um, yeah, off the highway, so it's a lot better now than it was about 15 minutes ago. Well, that's good. Yeah. yeah. How is, uh, what is your least favorite part about winter driving? Um, just the other people on the road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those people um, suck. It's just, every, everyone just, I don't know what happens, like, the level of snow today. So usually, if I leave, if I leave work at about four, it takes me. I'm usually home by about five fifteen. Okay. So it, the level of snow today is not enough to cause like an hour extra yeah. for driving. Yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, on side streets, I kind of get it because it's like not plowed, but on the highway, it shouldn't be that bad. It's like very light snow. It's so delicate yeah. and wispy. It shouldn't be slowing the process down this much. But very glad you could join the show, uh, and uh, hope you're safe. And if you have to pull over for anything, just uh, just holler, and you'll be fine. Um, so the Raptors won a pair of games over the weekend. They're inching closer to the nine-game win streak I predicted them to have on last week's podcast with you. Uh, they've won six in a row. Everything's kind of going pretty well right now. Uh, of the Grizzlies and Kings wins, which one impressed you more? Which one impressed me more? I, I think it's got to be the Grizzlies game. Yeah. Because um, the Grizzlies came out strong, and you saw that, you know, the Raptors were sort of looking for something to get them going, and uh, it was nice to have Larry sort of uh, nailing his threes. And, uh, yeah, once they started to find that flow in the second quarter, really made that run to cut the lead down. 
uh, heading into the break, and then the second half was pretty much, uh, it looked like the Raptors were uh, gearing up for the win and just took control in the fourth. Yeah, the Grizzlies are not a particularly good team, um, and that was a nice start by them. And like they kind of held off for like a little bit, uh, and it seemed like I think at the start of the third quarter, or sort of the second quarter, they were still down by quite a bit. But they, uh, the fourth quarter, they had twenty four fourteen, kind of shut it down. Uh, outside of Tyreek Evans and Marcus All, not much in the way of anything to be like excited about. Chandler Parsons, I guess, had a nice game. He was fifteen points on six of ten, but. Uh, the 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 Grizzlies kind of are are terrible. Like they're not a fun team to watch. The Raptors, I think, uh, they're kind of in this mode the last few games of the game against the Suns last week, where they're not like blowing teams out by thirty points, but you can kind of in these games it just feels like they're going to win the entire time. Um, I don't know if you get that sense as well, where this like even if they're down by a little bit, you just kind of sense like yeah they know what's going on. They're going to be just fine. Yeah, that's the same sense I got in both in both the games. You looked yeah. at uh, Memphis, even when, like you said, Memphis went up in the third quarter. They sort of pushed that lead back up again. It just it just didn't seem like they had a safe lead, or the Raptors were going to have to do something extraordinary to pull it out. And then you look at the Kings game. The Raptors start out on that seventeen to run to open the first quarter, and right away, I think they just got the vibe that hey. We probably don't need our A game to pull this out tonight and sort of coasted the rest of the way. Um, for the Kings, I was probably uh, I was looking forward to watching De'Aaron Fox, um, but he didn't come anywhere close to competing with Lowry. Some, some really bad, unforced turnovers. Um, that was disappointing to see, but I guess those are young mistakes that happen. Um, and, yeah, for the Raptors, uh, DeRozan... You know, finished with nine assists for the game, but he had nine assists through three quarters. Yeah. And just look at the way he's moving the ball right now. Seven assists uh, is what he's averaging over the last six, I believe. And yeah, he's just getting more and more comfortable in this offense. And John Schumann put out the stat that, you know, 88% of his passes are leading to, you know, three pointers or uh, points in the restricted area, which. You know, that's Mori Ball, and that's exactly what you want to trade those mid-range jumpers for. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, DeRozan, that game he had yesterday, quietly like one of his best nights of the season, I think, so far. Uh, 25 on 9 of 15 shooting, so wasn't, you know, hogging up possessions or anything like that. Now, those 9 assists that you mentioned, and yeah, he just looks uh, incredibly comfortable right now. And Kyle Lowry, like... He might have had the best game I've ever seen someone have going 4 of 17. Like, he was all over the place, 15 points, another 12 rebounds because uh, he just does everything now to be a big man except for be 7 feet tall. Uh, he had he played, like, the verticality game on a couple possessions. He had, uh, you know, took another two charges because, like, it's it's ridiculous with him at this point. Like It's, it's a shocker when he doesn't, you know, take a charge in a game at this point. Um, so, yeah, Lowry was incredible. I thought OG started the game really well. He kind of, you know, faded as the game went on. But those the, the three he hit early, the, the transition three where he looked off to Rose and had the ball fake, uh, that was a really nice sign. And I think maybe the best thing that I've seen come out of this weekend, uh, and I'll ask you this in a second, but for me the, be- the best observation I've come up with is that Serge Ibaka looks like he totally cares right now. And it's awesome. Uh, his stroke is coming, is finding form. He's at 39% from three on the season now after hanging around 32, 33, 34 for most of the year. Uh, 20 points on uh, on Saturday, another 21 on Friday against the 
the Memphis Grizzlies. Sorry, they played the Kings Sunday, not Saturday. Um, 8 of 13 from the field last night, uh, 7 of 12 the night before, so just super efficient. He's hitting his threes. Uh, his rebounding is still, you know, whatever, but when Larry's grabbing all those rebounds, it almost doesn't even matter. Um, and his off-the-dribble game has been kind of nice, too. It's been, you know, a little bit intriguing. I, he's not the, the smoothest player in the world by any means, but he's getting to the rim. I like his, like, two-step drives from the three-point line to throw down a dunk. Those are really fun to me. One of the most fun plays that the Raptors conjure up on a nightly basis. And I don't know, like, what do you think has changed with him? Is it just the fact that he just he just turned on the effort switch? Is that kind of all it is? I think part of it is turning on the effort switch. I, I think the other part of it, too, is just, I think some of the veterans maybe just weren't used to starting the season, you know, two weeks earlier than what they're used to. Yeah. And so I think Ibaka probably, you know, just took his time getting into the rhythm uh, of the season, of the 82 game grind. He just understands what is required of him now. And I think now he's hitting his stride. Uh, there's that play against the Grizzlies where he blocked Marcus Gasol, then he forced the steal, and then he's down the court for the dunk. Yeah. Um, and then again, now using the defense uh, against the Kings, and even down the stretch, I thought it was interesting with Siakam struggling with his offense. Uh, I think he was one for seven in the game. Um, Casey closed with uh, Van Vliet and Lowry at the guard positions, uh, DeRozan at the three, but then he went to Ananobi at the four, and mm-hmm. I thought Ananobi and Ibaka paired up pretty well there. Um, and so it's good to see, you know, that, that closing unit. He looks really comfortable when he's playing at the five. Um, and, you know, I think we're going to get into this a bit sooner. That starting lineup is starting to look pretty good, too. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, the starting five has been really good. We'll get to that in a sec, but just to touch on Ibaka, you mentioned the the playing at the five thing in the game uh, with, with OG there. Uh, and yeah, he did that against Phoenix as well with Jonas's minutes down to about 18 against the Suns. Ibaka played a lot of the five in that game too. And I don't think it's any sort of coincidence that he's had maybe his three best games of the season the last three games where he's... I, I don't have the numbers in front of me of exactly how many minutes he's played at center, but it's definitely, anecdotally, it feels like he's playing a lot more there and closing games there. Uh, and I think that's what we're going to see as we go forward this season. Like, we're just going to see Ibaka play high leverage minutes at the five when it matters most. And I think that's going to be uh, really good for him and his defense. And maybe his block shot numbers won't come back up to, you know, the crazy numbers he used to put up with OKC. But if he's, mm-hmm. you know, pestering shots around the rim, and I think, you know, playing center is going to give him the opportunity to get more blocks. Um, you had three against Phoenix last week, two against Indiana that I gave before that. Um, so, yeah, I think he's really sort of rounding into form nicely here, and it's a very nice sign because he wasn't exactly killing it to start the season, um, kind of playing a little bit listless and just kind of like he didn't really want to be there. or not, not that he didn't want to be there, but just kind of like, yeah, I've been to lots of really deep playoff runs. The early season doesn't matter to me. And, like, I can't blame him for that. Um, like, I would probably go about that too if I had played in some of the wars that Ibaka's played in uh, back with OKC and some of those deep playoff runs. Like, he knows what it takes to sort of manage yourself over the course of a season so uh to see him turning it on lately is very nice it's strange that it's come against three pretty bad teams in the last three games 
games, but I guess I'll take it. Um, what's your uh, big observation? What's the most positive thing you saw from this weekend for the Raptors? Uh, from the weekend for the Raptors, I think just, again, Fred Van Vliet looking, you know, so assured in his role, uh, filling in for DeLon Wright. He's looked so comfortable. Um, and, yeah, just taking control of that second unit, closing out games with, uh, you know, Lowry right beside him. Uh, yeah, just really impressed with the way he's played overall. Yeah, he's uh, he's been really good, and I, I talked about him at length on, I think, Thursday or Friday, so I didn't to dive too far into Van Vliet, but... He's been awesome, and uh, that's for that to continue is, uh, you know, I'm not sure what's going to happen now when DeLon Wright comes back. Apparently DeLon's progressed to three-on-three drills, uh, which should mean he's coming back reasonably soon. Um, and I, I just I don't know how they're going to work that point guard rotation. I really don't. I don't even want to speculate, really, because it's guessing what Dwayne Casey's going to do with this long rotation is kind of impossible at this point. But uh, it's going to make for an interesting sort of decision as to whether or not they're going to you know, scale back Lowry's minutes again. He's played, probably been around 35 minutes a game for the last couple weeks while DeLon's been out, or I guess the last month or so. Um, and you know maybe you want to scale back and get DeLon in there more, or maybe there's just not enough room, and maybe we can get into this. Maybe Norm Powell becomes the guy who's the odd man out, because Powell played pretty poorly uh, on Friday against the... Uh, or Sorry, on Sunday against the, the... I'm all over the place right now. Sunday against the Kings, he played pretty poorly. Um, and you know the, the bench unit that really worked to start the season featured Van Vliet with Wright, and then Miles, Siakam, and Pirtle, or, or Bebe, or whoever was there at center... Uh, kind of flip-flopping back and forth. And, I, I mean, the Raptors are paying Norm Powell a lot on his new extension, and I don't really see them trying to, like, phase him out of the rotation. But based on merit, he probably is the odd man out in terms of, you know, how things all fit when DeLon Wright comes back. Um, and the bench unit, I think, is something we have to talk about because if there's a negative takeaway I have from the weekend, it's that the bench unit is starting to show some cracks, I think. Uh, it started against Phoenix last week, but over the weekend, just not the, the best from them. Um, you know, minuses across the board in the Kings game. Uh, same deal, most for the most part, against the, the Memphis Grizzlies as well. And the starting five has really kind of turned it around, and they're sitting at a plus 10.3 net rating right now, which kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, I wasn't expecting them to be that big of a plus right now, but they're scoring at a rate that is just ridiculous. They're like 119.8 points per, uh, per 100 possessions right now. So even though the defense is a little shaky with Jonas and Serge, it doesn't really matter because no one can stop them. Um, but so those guys are rounded into form, but the bench has started to go back a little bit. Um, I had the numbers here for the bench unit. Sorry, I got to pull it up. I lost the page, but um, the, the bench unit with uh, with Norm Powell has not been good so far. Uh, and it's just, you know, I think you got to try to. I, I, I'm of the mind that eventually Lowry's going to have to start playing with those bench units. And same with DeRozan. Uh, and DeRozan with the bench has been very effective so far this season. Lowry as well. I mean, he always just whoever he plays with is good. Um, so, you know, there might be two guys you have to cut from the rotation if you're going to try to get those guys more working with those lineups to try to build up more of a database of information on lineups that work. Um, maybe it's too soon to think about doing that, but it, there's some interesting things to happen here because the bench, if it's not going to be blowing teams away, could become a bit of a liability if it's going to be, you know, sort of average or, or below average, and then maybe you have to creep into the Lowry playing with the bench units again. I don't know. It's hard to really sort of say right now. Uh, I think we need more games to figure out what's going on with the bench and if it's going to continue. And if Wright comes back and it gets back to its old ways with, with Wright, you know, sort of maybe filling in for Powell there, then maybe it'll be all fine and we won't care about staggering guys or whatnot. But I don't know. It's one thing I'm keeping an eye on for sure. There's so few things to pick, nitpick with this team, but the bench coming back to earth a little bit, I think, is of note. Yeah, sure. Um, I 
think with Siakam, I think he's starting to get found out a bit. People are taking away his right hand, and then yeah. you see, uh, you know, sort of daring him to shoot from the outside. And I think he's two for maybe his last thirty from the outside, or something close to that. Yeah. And so uh, that's a bit of a problem there um, because Pirtle is also someone that sort of thrives off creativity from the guards and so if they can take away those passing lanes then it becomes difficult for him to score as well although he has done a good job of that um, over the week maybe not necessarily the weekend um, and then yeah going back to Norman Powell in terms of uh, what you do with him I think you've got to put DeLon Wright in the same position that uh, Powell was put in mm-hmm. or when when he got injured and sort of uh, challenge him to step up and earn his minutes because you saw Norman Powell. I mean, he was the starter, and when he came back, Ananobi was so comfortable in that starting unit that they brought him off the bench. And I think there is value in playing Norman Powell with CJ Miles and giving him that uh, spot up shooter to play off of. Yeah. And so now, if you're going to play DeLon and Fred VanVleet and uh, Norman Powell, it's good in the sense that you've got three guys that are comfortable handling the ball and creating for you know the, the CJ Mileses and the Siakams and the Pirtles. Um But again, where are the minutes, right? So yeah, uh, yeah I think Delon's going to have to show that uh, he can be the guy he was before the injury. Mm-hmm. Um, the shot is obviously a weakness. Uh, but then his biggest strength is the fact that he can defend multiple positions. So that's what he has going for him. Um, so again, it might be something that's just matchup based, and there might be nights where uh, teams go bigger and have more length at the guard positions, and that's where Delon is probably better suited than Van Vliet. And that is so it's going to be interesting to see how Casey manages that. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Yeah, it's like not a bad problem to have. I'm writing about this a little bit for the advent calendar today. Uh, in that uh, there's just a couple lineups that, you know, there's there's very few lineups that we know are going to be good for the Raptors at this point. Um, so I think the argument for maybe paring things down a little bit and trying to establish like a set rotation is that you get more data on lineups to, you know, just kind of apply to what you're going to do come playoff time or in games that really matter. Uh, but at the same time, it's still so early, like 25 games, 24 games in, like there's no need to get too, you know, urgent with trying to build up these databases. But like, if you look at the top four lineups the Raptors have used this season, the number one one is the starting five and like the current starting five with OG, that's been really good. So that's kind of squared away. Like you're going to be 
able to count on that lineup, you would think, especially in situations where you need to outscore somebody. Um, and then the second most unit, the second most used unit has been the old starting lineup, the defunct one now, which I don't think we're going to see much of going forward. And then the other ones are, you know, full bench units, which I think are eventually going to kind of be phased out as well. So in terms of like lineups that you can reliably count on come playoff time or against like the best teams in the league, I think the Raptors are still kind of searching for what is going to be that. And I just, you know, all these different factors at play with all the different guys they have and the multitude of options, like eventually you have to start getting more of a database of like lineups with like more than just like 14 minutes played together uh, to try to see if they're going to work. Because even some of the ones, like the ones I'm writing about today, feature Jakob Pertle next to Serge Ibaka. And in theory, those should work pretty well defensively. You know, mm-hmm. it should be an upgrade from what it is over over the, 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 the Valanciunas pairing with Ibaka. But in 14 minutes, you get a lot of weirdness. And the, the, both the units that are there, one features all the starters uh, next to Pertle. The other one's all the starters with with uh, CJ Miles instead of Ananobi, and they're both like negative 50 minute ratings in 14 minutes because just not in a big enough sample to figure out whether or not it works together. Um, so that's something I'd like to see going forward is maybe try to find and cultivate some lineups that in theory and on paper would work, but just like get them in more. And that might come at the expense of other guys. And it's right. It's Pirtle. It's even Siakam, who you mentioned is kind of struggling with his three right now. Um, you know, I think all these guys' jobs are kind of up in the air if they have go through a little bit of a swoon just because there's so many guys and so many minutes to be handed out, or only so many minutes to be handed out to this many guys. Um, one little fun nugget I came across with Pirtle today in the piece I was writing is that him and yet, uh, sorry, him and Bebe are the two leaders in the NBA in terms of guys with 1.5 possessions as a role man in the league in terms of efficiency out of anyone in the league. They're they're one and two. Uh, Bebe's at 1.62 points per possession. Pirtle's at 1.4. There are other guys who are a little bit more efficient than Pirtle, but they have fewer possessions per game. Uh, If you cut it off at 1.5 a game, Pirtle and Bebe are the most efficient role men in the entire league, which is pretty insane. Um, And I think speaks to Pirtle probably not going anywhere in terms of where he's going to fit into lineups because he's been really, really good lately. Uh, It kind of fits perfectly with everybody. But yeah, just, uh, you know, it's hard to get too upset about anything they're doing, but there's, there's certain things you got a nitpick. Uh, what was your biggest negative takeaway from the weekend before we uh, let you go? I, I think the negative takeaway would be just the decline in the bench performance. Yeah, and sort of just getting taken away. But now, but now you've got to see what uh, Siakam does. I think that that's what I'll be looking forward to. You know, and now that uh, he knows that people are taking away that right hand, that people are daring him to shoot from the outside. How does he counter? What, what does he work on to? Right sort of get back on track offensively so um yeah that, that would be the biggest negative uh and just getting that bench back on track are you feeling good about your uh, under prediction on the nine game winning streak i predicted last week um you know what a big part of why i did that was because I, that week the, that i predicted them to go three and oh they went one and two <laughs> uh, against against the what was it the knicks the hawks and the pacers uh the pacers yeah, yeah. so um, if, if, if I got to get it wrong for them to keep the win streak going, I'm more than happy to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think they got the big one out of the way uh, in Sacramento, in a place in which DeMar DeRozan had never won. Um, and he seemed shocked to find that out in the post-game interview yesterday. I was shocked to find that out. I didn't realize that. They weren't really talking about that going in. But, uh, yeah, the, the Raptors won in Sacramento, I think, is the ultimate signifier that the culture change is real. Um, and the Raptors are well on their way to big things this season. Um 
Vivek, I got nothing else for you, man. The, the the Raptors are very good. They've won a couple games against bad teams, and it's kind of what it is. Uh, there's some things to keep an eye on, but overall, just like uh, enjoy this, man. Read uh, Tim Chisholm's piece, if I have to recommend anything, on Raptors Republic today. Uh, he talked about how this team is fun again, kind of piggybacking off the idea I've gone with. I'm not saying he read my thing and piggybacked off of it. I'm just saying uh, I've been kind of harping on this all season, that the Raptors are fun and this should be enjoyed. And uh, Tim hit it right on the head with his piece today, Raptors Republic. So make sure you go check that out. Vivek, where can people check out your stuff? Uh, you can check out my stuff uh, on Raptors Republic. I actually put a piece out today as well. Um, just sort of looking at the youth across the Atlantic Division and sort of who's best positioned in the long term mm-hmm. and what the future kind of holds with them. Uh, just wanted to look at that after the Jaleel Okafor trade. I thought it, it's interesting that the Nets now have the second and third pick from the 2015 draft. Yeah. Um, and then besides that, you can find me on B-Ball Breakdown and uh, North Pole Hoops and follow me on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob. All right, man. Uh, get home safely. Uh, are you home yet? Are you just sitting in the driveway? Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, sweet. I'm, I'm home. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> glad the podcast didn't take you off the road, so that's good. Um, we'll talk to you next week, man. This was fun. Great. Thanks a lot, man. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. Follow the show at Locked on Raptors. Leave a rating, leave a review, all that good stuff. Uh, very much helps out. Make sure you check out the Raptors Advent Calendar. Uh, I had to write two updates yesterday because I missed Saturday. I wrote about... Uh, Christmas wish list for all the Raptors players and I wrote about Amir Johnson and Jorge Garbajosa for day number 15 because uh, they were so beloved and wore the same number um, so make sure you check that out and uh, yeah this was, uh, this was a good podcast Vivek we'll talk to you again next week and everyone we'll be back again on Tuesday with another episode of Lockdown Raptors to recap the Clippers game thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you soon cheers Hey Prime members you can listen to this Lockdown podcast ad free on Amazon Music Download the Amazon Music app today.